we, we are in the same business as the people who run the jail, but we come at it from a different perspective, right, from the other side of the, the uh, spectrum there. And so they're trying to keep people safe by incarcerating them. We're trying to keep people safe by changing their hearts. And so, uh, and we encourage them, you know, come, uh, uh, come see us when, when, uh, when they get out, um, uh, when they legally get out, right, if they come see us and they're still, you know, uh, on, their, on their time, they're supposed to be in jail, that wouldn't be a good thing, right? But um, anyway, so it was good. And um, like I said, they were all, all very appreciative, both the, the inmates and the people that run the facility. And so uh, I think that's a good outreach. Uh, and for, you know, for a couple of things, uh, one is that, you know, one thing that's always been in my heart is for our church to always be a giving church, right? That, um, uh, and, uh, you know, there are, we do certain things, do certain outreaches, and we never want to receive while we're doing that outreach, right? We're not going out to, uh, and I have, I have a problem with other churches doing that, but it's just not what we do, right? And so when we give out the waters, you know, we don't receive money for that. And of course, nobody offered to give us anything over there, but even if they did, you know, the answer would be no, because we're here to give, right? So if we're giving, we're not, we're not in the, in the uh, position that we want to receive at that point in time. There's, uh, and so, um, and I was thinking about that. We probably have about, maybe about $10 uh, per bag in there. So, you know, there's a couple of thousand dollars, uh, $2,500 or more that we spent on that. So it's not a lot of money, but um, um, it is an opportunity for us as a ministry to give, right? And so not just the church, but all the people in the church. And of course, you all did not only uh, supply the funds, but also supply much of the, the uh, materials that went in those bags and also the labor to put them all together, right? How long did you say it took us? 48 minutes, right? Because over there with stopwatch, you know, uh, cracking the whip on the on the production line there, and um, I, I blinked one time, and she fussed at me. You know, get to work, and so. Uh, but uh, but that, that was her actual. That was her college degree was in uh, industrial engineering, and the first part of her career was in timing people on production lines. You know, see if there uh, uh, can be improvements made in the, how they produced whatever they produced there, uh, and so. Uh, so she has a lot of experience in that area there. So, uh, but I thought, I thought everything went good, and it was, uh, uh, and you know, and really just to seeing the inmates and how, uh, the, really the, the vast majority of them are very, very thankful, right? Uh, and uh, many of them, probably thirty percent, would even look at you in the eye, right? And who knows why, right? Uh, but a lot of them just look at you, and they want to see if you look at them, you know, eyeball to eyeball, uh, and uh, and we did, right? We'd look at them in the eye, and and. For some people, that, that's a lot, you know, because it show, it's a, uh, for some people, it's a sign of respect uh, and um, that you acknowledge, you know, that they're there. And so it's not a big thing, but, um, and we shook a lot of their hands. And, you know, you don't know really how far, uh, you know, because in some places they said, well, we'll take, we'll take the bags, we'll deliver the bags, right? So we got inside the pod, but then we couldn't deliver the bags individually. Uh, but then they kind of, they were varying in how lenient they were in that. And so we'll keep pushing the envelope, you know. It's good, and I when that when my drinking buddy hollered at me, you know, uh, and uh, <laughs> he's really not my drinking buddy, but when he hollered at me, I did go over there to his cell and talk to him for a few minutes, uh, and so I said, "Well, come see us when you get out." Yeah, I will, you know. So we'll see, right? And so, <laughs> but anyway, so I appreciate all this, all your support in that. I thought it was successful. Uh, and it's, uh, you know, uh, in that type of uh, ministry, it's really seed planting. Um, you know, you're not in there. You can't pray for people. You, you're not laying hands on folks, uh, praying for people to receive the Lord. In that moment, you're, you're giving them a gift. Uh, and 
and our prayer is that the Spirit of God will speak to them every time they look at that bag and open up the bag and eat candy out of the bag or uh, gamble all their commissary money away, you know, that they're thinking about us, amen, uh, and, uh, and how that uh, there's a church somewhere that, that cares about them as human beings, uh, and uh, it'd be good to see some of them here, right? Uh, and, um, uh, you know, I understand that from a natural standpoint, you'd have to take precautions uh, depending on what they were in for, right? So, I mean, you don't, uh, you don't let the embezzlers receive the offering, right? You don't, uh, you don't let other people do certain things, you know, so that's, that's normal things. We're not going to stick our head in the sand and act like these people are saints, but uh, they are people, and the Lord cares about them, amen? And so if they want to come and sit and have a seat in the sanctuary, we'd be glad for them to be here and, um, and hear the Word of God, right? And hopefully uh, use the power of the Lord to straighten up their life uh, and walk in the blessings that the Lord desires for them to have. And that's what we told them. We want them to have a blessed Christmas there. And um, yeah, even in the midst of all that, you know, Paul and Silas were singing, pray, praying and singing praises to the Lord in the middle of a Roman jail. And uh, they're over there with iPads and TVs and, and food and clothes and, and, and um, uh, you know, heaters. And uh, I mean, it's not comfortable, but it's not a Roman jail, right? Uh, and so... Um, uh, so we're thankful for that, amen, and um, our prayers that we see fruit in their lives uh, from that ministry there, amen. Uh, any questions about that? Uh, uh, anything else you want to know? Uh, yes, ma'am. Well, I did encourage him uh, in several apods. To, you know, I said we gave you a book from a fellow by the name of Randall Greer, and I said he, he knows what he's like to be in your position. He was in jail, life without parole, and he's out now preaching the gospel around the world. And so I'd encourage you to read that book, right? And so, um, and it is a good book, especially for fo folks like that. Um, and, you know, it's, uh, uh, and I, I've said this before, you know, for me, you know, I've never been a client of any jail, right? I've never been arrested. Um, I had been fingerprinted, but only, only so that I could go and, and preach at the jail. But um, uh, it's not necessary for me to have gone to jail to help people that have been in jail. Uh, it's not necessary for me to, be, to have used drugs to help people that use drugs. It's not necessary for me to have committed a crime to help people that have committed a crime. Because if that was true, then Jesus was, was woefully inadequate to help anybody, right? And sometimes uh, people experience life's difficulties and they believe that God has called them then to to minister to those types of people all the rest of their life and that may be that may be so I'm not saying it's not so or not so but that's not what qualifies you what qualifies you is what's in your heart uh, to help people uh, and in that regards I believe I could help anybody right it doesn't matter your background uh, where you come what your experiences you had uh, just because I've never been drunk or never smoked a cigarette um, it doesn't mean I could help you amen uh, because the Word of God is the Word of God, and the Word of God is what we base our foundation on, not my life's experiences and failures. And so, um, for some people, it helps for them to have somebody minister to them that they can relate to, uh, but that's on their side, right? Um, and so, um, from, from my perspective, anybody who knows the Word of God can help and assist anybody, amen? So, so, uh, and in that, you know, don't, don't ever limit yourself to, to that. I, I know people who think that because they've gone through certain experiences in life, that that's what they're called to do. In fact, Brother Randy, when he got out of jail, you know, everybody said, well, you need to start a drug and alcohol rehab group, you know, because he was big in the drug and alcohol on the other side, right? On the consumption and selling side, not so much on the, on the rehabilitation side. 
Uh, and of course he did, but the Lord never called him to do that, and so it wasn't really successful at all. He's, you know, people come, do their 30 days, 60 days, or whatever, and go right back to the same life that they were in before. And that doesn't, that doesn't mean people, that those groups can't help people, but if you're not called to do that, if you're not anointed to do that, then it's hard for the Lord to, to uh, be a part of that with you because we're supposed to be working together with the Lord. Uh, and so, so just because you've gone through life's experiences, uh, in fact, you know, really, the, the, uh, I think a great testimony is for people to look at you and think, oh, you've obviously have never been through anything, regardless of what you've actually been through because the, the grace of the Lord can get you out of anything. And, uh, you know, you've heard many, many of the stories that we've talked about uh, with, when I was with my pastor over the years. And um, we know many people that came out of that same situation whose spiritual lives are just a complete wreck. And just natural lives because of that are just a complete wreck. Don't go to church anymore. Struggle with bitterness and anger, you know, unforgiveness. A decade or more later, since uh, my pastor's been gone now for 16, almost 17 years, and they still struggle with many of those things. Uh, and, um, and then they look at me and Chris, and they told us, you know, how is it that you guys get out unscathed, right? Come out not smelling like smoke. Well, it's because of the grace of the Lord, amen? Um, and so, uh, you know, people look at me, and they don't know me, they don't know my history. You've never been through anything. Nobody's ever done anything to you. Well, you know, um, it's not like when I compare my life to, like, Paul. It's embarrassing, right? I and mean, Paul was nearly killed many times, right? Uh, and the worst thing anybody ever did to me is they, they called me names, right? Uh, and, um, and so, uh, but they tried to destroy my character uh, many times over the years, uh, and it's not a good feeling, right? Uh, but it, it's, it, they, all those things happen, but they don't define who I am. You know, your past should not define what you are or who you are. It should be uh, what the Word of God says about you should define who you are. And, and I remember after I got born again and started reading the Word of God, I started reading verses about who I was in the Lord. And I, and I got to realizing, Lord, you know, Lord, I could be the person that I want to be. Because, you know, I think most people, uh, even if they're not good people, desire to be good people, right? I know there's some uh, incorrigible people who just, they want to be just losers and just mean-spirited all the time. I think a lot of people would love to change, but they don't know how to change. And, of course, the Word of God tells you you can change and tells you how to do that. Uh, and, and so I was, uh, as I read the Word of God as a, as a young man, uh, I was thrilled to realize, Lord, I, I could be the person that I would, would like to be, right? A person of character, a person that uh, uh, told the truth, a person that wasn't always working an angle. You know, I mean, we grew up so twisted that every, every interaction with people was, what can I get out of you, right? Uh, and there's a lot of people that, that way, uh, you know, you can't trust them. And you know, when you talk to them, it's like, yeah, this guy just wants... He wants in my billfold, right? That's all he wants. Uh, and of course, uh, unfortunately, you go to churches sometimes, you think that's you know, all the pastor wants or all the minister wants is my, what's in my pocket, right? He doesn't want anything. He, he doesn't care about me. Uh, and so, uh, so there, there is change that's available to everybody. Uh, and um, there's no history, no, no past that anybody can or can't overcome. Uh, and I'm 100% convinced of that. Uh, some people tell you that's not true, that it's just hard, you know, and they got to go through multiple years of therapy. Uh, you know, there, there's no biblical principle for therapy at all, and I'm not opposed to therapy, right? I'm talking about uh, therapy for mental illness and that type of thing, or for just mental anguish, right? Not even necessarily uh, uh, rising to the level of mental illness. Uh, but, you know, th there's no, there's no uh, five-fold ministry gift for a therapist. Uh, you know, I'm the pastor, I'm not a therapist. 
But I can tell you what the Word of God says, and it will affect your mind and what you think, and it will get you to be where you need to be, where you could be, uh, if you listen to it and accept it, amen? And so um, that, that's, uh, uh, I'm convinced that the Word of God is the best medicine of any medicine in every area of your life, right? Physical, mental, uh, spiritual, and, and um, uh, in your soulless realm. Uh, and so, uh, and because it's true, right, it, what the Word of God says. And so we're thankful for that. Uh, so let's pray and we'll get into the Word tonight. So Father, we do thank you for your Word. We thank you for the blessings you've given to us. And Father, we thank you that your Word is sure and it's powerful, Father. It uh, causes us to become more like you each and every day as we believe it and accept it, Father, and live according to it. And so we thank you for your Word, Father. We give you the praise and the honor for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, let's open up our Bibles to the book of Philippians, uh, chapter 4. We'll continue there today. So we, we were, we've been talking about uh, verse 11 where it says, not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state that I am therewith to be content. Uh, and so it, it's valuable to learn to be content, right? To be, uh, of course, we, we looked at another version of content, but, the, uh, but this one means to be independent of external circumstances. So how you feel is not dependent on what you observe in the natural realm. Uh, and, and if we can learn to live that way, that how I feel has nothing to do with what I observe or it has nothing to do with what has been said to me, has nothing to do with what uh, is going on around me, what people have done or they haven't done. How I feel is, is independent of that. And that's contentment, right? That you're, whatever, whatever, everything explodes, I'm still content. What if everything is great, I'm still content. Uh, and that's really where the Lord uh, wants us to get to, amen? And you get there because if you really trust the Lord, then what's it matter if the, the entire economy goes belly up? Will the Lord not provide for you? Uh, he will, right? And so uh, will, will he not to figure out a way to, uh, I think the Lord can figure out a way for anything, but won't, won't he find a way to take care of you and protect you? Now in that, you know, you have to be careful of, of, uh, uh, of not being presumptuous, right? Because if the Lord tells you, uh, hey, do this, right? Set aside some money or, you know, sell this thing here or do that, you know, in preparation for what may come tomorrow, and then you go, well, I'm not going to do that because the Lord provides for me. Well, he just provided for you. He provided you wisdom and supernatural insight about what you should do. So, you know, some people are like, well, I'm not going to do anything. I'm not going to save any money. I'm, not, I'm going to spend every penny I have. And they never do anything. And the Lord may, may be telling them, hey, don't do that, right? Don't, don't uh, put yourself in that position. Uh, and, um, uh, and I know uh, different ministries over the years where the Lord said, hey, there's a coming recession. Uh, you need to lay off like three people out of your ministry. And do that today, right? Uh, and, uh, and of course, people say, well, it seemed like God would take care of them. He was taking care of them. Uh, amen? Uh, and, uh, you know, it's kind of like the story. It's just a made-up story. But uh, the fella, you know, the, there's a flood, and the, the fella's on his roof, you know. Uh, and uh, somebody comes by in, in, a little, in a little boat to rescue him. And he said, no, the Lord's going to rescue me. And, okay, fine. And then, then a helicopter comes by and tries to rescue him. And, he goes, no, the Lord's going to rescue me. And, of course, then the, uh, the floods keep coming, and he in, ends up drowning and ends up in heaven. He said, Lord, you know, why am I in heaven? You know, I thought you were going to rescue me. Well, he said, well, I sent two people to rescue you, but you didn't want to be rescued, you know. Uh, and, and that's what happens a lot of times. The Lord, you know, in his infinite wisdom is providing things along our path, and oftentimes we, we get presumptuous. Well, the Lord's going to do some supernatural thing, uh, some spectacular thing uh, in order to provide for me, and so I don't want any just normal thing that, uh, that would provide for me. 
Uh, and, um, uh, and yet, if the Lord really did send that person in that boat, that's supernatural, right? Because he intervened in, in the natural course of your life. That's a supernatural event. Uh, and yet, uh, oftentimes, uh, we desire, uh, uh, what one minister used to say is, is oftentimes, uh, we look for the, the spectacular and miss the supernatural. Uh, because we want skies to part and thunders to roll and earth to quake, uh, instead of just a simple thing of, hey, uh, don't buy that today because you're gonna need that money tomorrow, right? Uh, and so, uh, so there's a lot of provision that the Lord does for us if we would listen, right? If we would train ourselves to hear from, hear from heaven, I think the Lord would provide for his people in a lot better way than, than oftentimes we see. Uh, and so let's turn over to the book of uh, 1 Timothy. Uh, we'll finish up uh, in, in that uh, section of verses there uh, where he was talking about the love of money. And, um, and so uh, we had read here uh, the, the key in these verses, we're not going to go through all thing. Well, uh, okay, we won't go through everything in detail like we did uh, last week, but he starts out in verse 6, but godliness with contentment is great gain. And this word content is to, is to be possessed with unfailing strength. And so you're strong enough, no matter what comes your way, you're strong enough to make it through that particular situation. And he said that godliness with contentment, so if, you're, if you try and strive to be like God, right, well, how is God, what is God like? That's what godly, godliness means, right? God-like. Uh, well, is he kind? Is he, is he merciful? Is, is he tender-hearted? Uh, is, is he respectful? Uh, you know, is he, uh, is he faithful? He is, all those things, right? And so if you strive to be like God, uh, and he says that combined with uh, contentment, he said it's great gain. It's to your advantage, amen? And so it sounds like something, if that, if, Paul is saying this is a great gain. Seems like that would be something that we would want to prioritize in our life. Lord, how do I become more content? Uh, and how do I uh, be more godlike? And he says, of course, verse 7, For we brought nothing into this world, it's certain we can carry nothing out. And having food and raiment, let us therewith be content. <clears throat> and he says in verse 9, But they that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare, right? And again, uh, we talked much about that, about how many people's goal is just to be rich. I just want a big bank account. And it's not like, you know, some people just, I just love, I love, you know, building houses and they build houses in a great way and they become rich because of that. But their, their, their love is they, they build, God made them to build houses, right? Uh, and, uh, and so uh, God's, God's inspired all of us to do certain things well. And when we do that, we, we uh, can make a, a good living out of it and, and a wealthy living out of that. And that's perfectly fine. Uh, and that's fine. But some people, it's like, they, they don't care what they do. They just want money, right? I just want money. And, and that's the issue, right? I want to be rich. Uh, and so if your goal is to be at, at a position in the society uh, called rich, then Paul said that's a real, that's a real problem because he said those that goal is to do that will fall into temptation, snare, into many foolish and hurtful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. Uh, and, uh, uh, you know, the, the, and that's true, right? You see, you see so much uh, greed uh, and um, love of money uh, in men's lives. Uh, and he says in verse 10, uh, for the love of money is the root of all evil. Uh, and that's interesting, right? Because the love of money is the root of all evil. Uh, and, and so um, uh, that, that's where we have to decide, you know, what, uh, what is our love, right? What do we desire? Uh, what is what is it that, 
that word uh, where it says love of money is the Greek word avarice there, which is basically greed, right? You just agree. Uh, and, um, and oftentimes what you see is because people are greedy uh, that uh, they will do anything to get a dollar. Uh, and I know plenty of Christians that are that way, right? They're so greedy, they will lie, they will cheat. You know, if they get an extra dollar at their, at their, uh, uh, in their change at Walmart, they'll say the Lord has blessed them. Uh, you know, if, they, if uh, they cheat you out of some money, the Lord has blessed them, right? I mean, if, if they get up and, and pull on your heartstrings and get you all to give double what you gave last week, you know, the Lord has blessed them. And it wasn't the Lord doing any of those things, you know? Uh, and, and so... That's, that's all, all those things are evil, right? If you love money, then uh, if that's your, if all you think about is money, 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 and that's an issue, right? If all you're thinking about is your bank account and, and how you can uh, grow this money and grow that money. And, and, you know, the balance of that is, you know, to some extent, all those things have to be done in our individual lives, right? You should save money. You should, uh, you should invest money. You should uh, uh, do things to get more money, right? Uh, but if you're, See, you know, when, I, when I'm thinking, if, if I get more money, you know, my first thoughts are, well, wh- how does my tithe increase, right? How does my giving increase? That's always my first thought. Uh, my first thought is, what can I buy now? Uh, and I understand, you know, part of it is, is the Lord has blessed me and Chris. And, and as far as the natural things, there's not really many things that we desire or want that we can't have. Um, and so, uh, so, but that's because of our giving, our faithful giving over the years. Uh, I believe that's the whole root of all of those things. And so, um, but the love of money is the root of all evil, which some have coveted after. Uh, they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. Uh, and the, the last verse in, that I wanted to, to uh, read in there is verse, uh, verse 11. But thou, O man of God, flee these things. So the, the, that's a strong word, right? To flee, run away. Don't just, you know, well, it's not a, no big deal, right? I'm just, you know, some people play with fire like that, and uh, they think, well, I can, I can do that a little bit. Uh, no, Paul told Timothy, flee these things, right? Run away from these things. If you see that, you're, uh, that uh, the love of money has become a, a root in your life, Paul said, run from that. Um, and, uh, and I think I mentioned what the Lord Jesus had, had told uh, Brother Hagin in one of his uh, early visions with the Lord, he, he gave him a lot of information about his ministry and, and what the Lord had called him to do. Uh, and as they started to part ways, and it was an open vision where you saw Jesus like I'm looking at you. Uh, and um, he said, Jesus stopped to turn around and he said, always be careful about money. Uh, and he said, for many that I have put my anointing on uh, have fallen in love with money and lost that anointing. Uh, and, and what happens, you know, the, the thing about uh, the anointing of God, if uh, you look at the ministry of Jesus, you know, when Jesus was, was at his prime in his ministry, he could just walk out the door and a thousand people would come around to him, right? He could go on a hill and 5,000, 10,000, 15,000 people would come and hear him. Uh, and, uh, and if you think about, well, you know, what I could do is, is I could uh, say a couple of things and I could take up an offering, right? Uh, and there was a fellow, uh, his name was Jack Cole. He was one of the uh, one of the most spectacular healing evangelists in his day. Uh, and uh, he, on his stage, uh, he had just piles and piles of like crutches and wheelchairs and things where people were supernaturally, spectacularly healed, right? Uh, and, but he realized, you know, if, if, if I would pray for people 
and, and have a spectacular healing, the very next thing I should do is receive an offering because that's when you get the, the biggest amount of money, right? Right after you've healed somebody's baby, everybody wants to give you their college funds, their retirement, you know, their inheritance. They want to give you everything, don't they? Well, that's evil, right? Because you're thinking about the money. You're not thinking about what God just did. You're thinking about the money. And I even had uh, one person uh, that visited here for a while at church. Uh, they said, you know, you need to, you need to receive the offering uh, right after the song, right after music. Because we found that that's when you get the most offering. Because right after, you know, you're, everybody's happy, music, you've been worshiping the Lord, and, and, and uh, that's, that's when you should do it. And, you know, everything in me is like, I am not going to be motivated by what's the most opportune time to receive an offering, to get the most money out of your pocket. To me, that's greedy, right? That's, that's the love of money. Uh, and we should flee such things, right? Uh, I, I don't do any studying uh, on how to, how to maximize my offerings when I receive them. I, I don't read any articles. I, I, maybe there are not any out there. I wouldn't know because I don't, I don't, I even if I saw a title like that, I would avoid it. I would run. I would flee from it because I'm not going to go down that path. Well, you know, if we get special buckets or, you know, we, we have a special song, you know, and then we receive the offering, that would be so, I mean, it would, I believe it would grieve the Spirit of God because, you know, when, when I'm receiving the offering, I'm thinking, uh, because we always, receive it, we always receive it at the end of the service, because in my mind, I think, okay, we just got done with a message, uh, and if you thought it was a good message, then maybe you have, would like to give some money towards that message, right? <laughs> it's not like for payments, it's not for services rendered, uh, but, um, you know, I just think, well, it's, and, I, and I really don't, uh, to be honest, the only reason I received the offering at the end of the service is because that's the way my pastor did it. Uh, and, and there's really no rhyme or reason other than that, right? It's not, well, uh, I, I jokingly say that, well, now that we've done the, the message now, if you think it was good, you know, pay up. That's not really, I don't really do it that way. That's not, uh, it's only because that's the way we've always done it, right? Some churches receive it first thing, right? How y'all doing? Let's take up an offering. Uh, and and uh, some churches do it right after the uh, song service, right? I, so I don't really care, uh, but what's my motivation? My motivation is to give you an opportunity to give. That's really it. Here's an opportunity. If you'd like to give, uh, then please do so. Uh, and if you don't want to give, that's between you and the Lord, right? Uh, and so, and I, and I leave it at that. I intentionally leave it on that. And of course, you know, around here, do we ever make a big pull for money? Do we ever, oh, we're going to get it up? No. I mean, on, a, on occasion when we have certain projects, we put them up on the, on the uh, TV there. Uh, hey, we, we bought this, we did this, and it's going to cost us much money. If you'd like to give towards it, that's, that'd be great, right? Uh, well, I don't have any money extra. Well, it's, not a, it's not a contract, right? Nobody's forcing you. Now, some churches do that. At some churches, at the beginning of the year, you put a vow. I'm going to vow to give you this much money. And, and if you start slacking up, you'll get a phone call. Hey, uh, brother, I noticed you, you, know, you said you're going to give this. And you're not really doing that, right? You know, when can we come by and get the check, right? Uh, yeah, they do that. And... and uh, <laughs> Um, you know, I, for me, it, it gets too close to the love of money, right? It gets too close to well, the church is about money, right? And, and I understand in many churches, they, they don't manage their finances well, uh, and uh, they're strapped every service, every month they're strapped, right? They're right at the, and I told you, even with, with my pastor, I noticed that they were pulling in over $450,000 a year uh, before my pastor went home to be with the Lord. It spent every cent, I mean, every penny, was gone at the end of the year, right? 
And it wasn't like they were in a building program. You know, it was just stuff, right? I mean, it was just stuff. Uh, and I have no idea what the stuff was. I didn't, I didn't look at it that closely. Uh, and so um, it's just, uh, uh, for me, uh, you know, and even just because of my personality, I, I, uh, to be honest, I had to grow into being okay with even receiving an offering. Uh, because I just, I, I don't want the ministry to be about money. But at the same time, the, Lord's, uh, the Lord rebukes me. Well, you, then you're, you're cheating them out of a blessing because the Bible says if you give with good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, shall men give to you wisdom. So if you don't give them an opportunity, then you're cheating them. And, and of course, you know, people, oh, you're just saying that. But don't give. I don't care, right? I mean, it, it, I, I'm not checking up on you, right? But it is fair to give you an opportunity to give because your financial blessings in the future are dependent upon what you give today. Um, uh, and, and, and so how much is it? That's none of my business. That's between you and the Lord, right? The Bible does talk about, as, as a beginning point, is 10% of your income. Uh, and then beyond that, it's whatever the Lord tells you to do. And that's the way we've always operated, me and Chris, 10%. We don't think about it. It belongs to the Lord. Uh, and, uh, and then beyond that, well, Lord, do you want us to do anything different? Um, and so, and so it's, it's always between you and the Lord, right? Uh, and, uh, but you should have an opportunity to give, Amen. Uh, uh, but I do know, I know, like, uh, in fact, me and Chris were talking about it uh, one time that, um, you know, after my pastor died, you know, we were a big blessing to my pastor, right? I mean, if, if they were receiving a special offering for him, we'd, we'd give, right? And never, never, you know, and we were big givers in the church. I don't know that we were the biggest givers in the church. In fact, I know for a fact many years we weren't. Other years, I don't know. But um, uh, there was never any strings attached with the money, right? Pastor, here's a big check. And he receives it. It's like, well, what's that with the string? You know, I, I want the front seat or I want this or that, you know. There's no strings attached, right? Uh, and so because we give, we're really giving to the Lord, right? We're giving. We give to the Lord because he's blessed us. Uh, and so, but from a practical standpoint, you're giving to this church, right? You're giving to this church to, uh, well, first of all, to support the pastor, right? And to support the work of this, of this ministry, but there's nothing wrong with the, with the pastor being supported through the ministry, right? I mean, uh, the Bible says that a workman is worthy of his wages. Uh, and so now from a legal standpoint, it, it can't actually be all about me, which is new information, right? I thought everything was about me, right? Uh, but from a legal standpoint, uh, you can't put a church together with the whole point of just making money from me, right? And so if you looked at our books, it, it would be obviously not that way. Uh, and some people are of the opinion that the pastor... Uh, owns every penny that comes in the church. Uh, and, and I just, you know, from a legal standpoint, that can't be so, right? Uh, because if, if we're going to be recognized as a charitable organization through the IRS, which we are, because we're a church, that can't be so. But I know people who believe that the pastor, every penny that comes into the church is the pastor's. But, if, you know, if, if you write a check that says, this is for the building fund, that's not mine. Uh, and, of course, it, as far as I'm concerned, every penny that comes in this ministry belongs to the ministry and and then if the ministry wants to wants to uh give me some of that money back in support of my life then that's perfectly fine and we would only do that through uh, approval of of uh, board members right or or folks that we would ask about that uh and so but there's a lot of there's, i mean there's a lot of there's a lot of gobbledygook a lot of uh, uh love of money that goes on in churches unfortunately right and primarily uh i think the biggest contributors to that are the ones in a ministry, right? But I, it, it happens in people's lives too. And so 
so Paul said, flee these things, right? Uh, flee these things. And so if, it ever, if there was ever anything about money, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to flee, right? In fact, I had one fellow said, hey, if you answer a question, you know, I'll, put a, I'll put some money in the offering uh, this Sunday or whatever. And uh, do you remember that? You know, you remember that or not? Uh, and uh, I said, well, first of all, we don't operate that way. Uh, you know, that you can't buy uh, information from me, right? I'm not for sale. Uh, and, so, and so for me personally, uh, because the Lord has blessed my wife and I, you know, uh, outside of the ministry, uh, I can't be bought, right? And so uh, it doesn't matter if the church starts making a million dollars a year or $10 million a year or $100 million a year and you start paying me, you know, a, a large income, I, I still can't be bought. He says, well, Pastor, if we're going to give you this much money, you need to stop preaching about this or that. That's never going to happen, right? Uh, uh, and so, and I'm not going to decide uh, what I say or do uh, based upon whether or not you're going to give. Uh, because then I'm just a hireling, right? Then, then I'm not, not any really any better than a prostitute, right? I prostitute my life. Uh, and, but, you know, from, from, uh, from people's perspective, you know, people do that all the time. They think, well, if I'm going to give, then I expect something in return. Uh, and, but they do it not just with finances. They also do it with their presence. Well, if you don't preach what I like, I'm leaving. Well, you know, you should leave now because uh, I'm not going to preach what you like or don't like. I'm going to preach what the Lord instructs me to preach. Amen. Uh, but I've had people, in fact, I had one person tell me, right, if you don't quit preaching about that, I'm leaving. Well, have a good life, right? See you in heaven. Because uh, first of all, even if, even if I'm going to change what I'm preaching, I'm not going to change because of what you said. Uh, uh, I'm going to do my best uh, with a humble heart to ask the Lord, what, what is it that you want me to teach or preach? Uh, and no doubt, sometimes it's really good, and sometimes, you know, we got to work at it, right? And so uh, we're going to get there eventually. But, but I've had people threaten me that, you know, if you don't preach certain things or don't stop preaching certain things, we're going we're gonna to leave. Uh, and, um, but see, if I did that, then I'm a harling, right? Because now you're the one dictating what's in the pulpit, even if you're not in the pulpit. Well, that's, that's devilish, right? And for anybody to make that deal or to even say those words, I can imagine. I mean, I just... With all, how would a child of God make that statement and threaten a pastor? Uh, and yet they do it every day, right? We had it happen in, in this church, right? Uh, and we're, it's not like we're we're you know I've got a thousand people here, uh, and yet it's happened to me, right? Uh, with the you know strong, if you don't stop doing it, we're leaving. You know, have a great life, see you in heaven, right? Uh, and and uh, because I'm not preaching to get people. Uh, in this church, right? I'm preaching uh, to help you all grow and to become great Christians and great men and women of God. Uh, and, you know, in order to do that, you have to change, right? Uh, you're not going to be a great man or woman of God if you don't, if you're not willing to change. And so, and that's, you know, for me, that, that's part of the issue with people uh, coming to this church, you know, or not coming to this church sometimes, not all the time, but sometimes people come in and they're like, well, if I, if I go to that church, I got to change. I'm not having that, right? Some people want to stay exactly the way they are the rest of their life. They've already achieved, you know, uh, maximum uh, mediocrity, and they're not going to get any better than that, right? They're uh, C average, and they're good with that all the days of their life. Uh, that's great. I can't be that way, right? No. And so, uh, so we're, but we're going to flee from that. Anything that anything is like that, uh, we're going to run away from that. Amen. Uh, and so, 
And that's why we always make sure, you know, once a year we have our business meeting, we show, show you where we spend all our money. And, uh, and we always tell everybody, if you want to know in July 12th, you know, in the middle of the year uh, where we're spending the money, you call me up and we'll give you an, an incredibly boring list of every penny we spend in the ministry. Um, and you look at it, and, and you can ask any questions you want to about anything, right? What's this right here? Mm-hmm. And, and so, you know, that, that, that's fine, amen? Uh, uh, and, that, and that should be healthy, amen? Because uh, if we're going to receive money from individuals, it's perfectly fine for people to know where that money's going in the ministry right now. It's my personal life. None of your business what I spend my money on, right? I don't know where you're spending your money. None of your business where I'm spending my money, right? It's not unethical, but it's still none of your business, right? If I want to buy a cookie, I'm going to buy a cookie. Well, don't you think of buying too many cookies? It's none of your business if I buy too many cookies, right? Uh, and so, uh, and uh, I might be buying too many cookies. I don't know. The Lord hasn't spoke to me about that, but, you know. Uh, and so, uh, but that's all right, amen? And so, uh, but we're going to flee from that, and it's healthy to flee from that. Uh, and there should be probably once you got that you flee from that, right? Uh, like I said, when that fellow said, hey, if you answer this question, uh, I'll put an offering, in, in, uh, an offering uh, in, on Sunday, or that I, I, I fled from that. No, we don't do that. I said that publicly to him, right? You know, he's bold enough to, say, to, to, uh, to try to bribe me publicly that I'm going to be bold enough to say, no, we don't do that publicly, right? Uh, and, and so... Um, I didn't tell him to leave the church, but I think he got the point there. He didn't, he didn't last very much longer after that anyway. But, uh, and so, so we want to do that. We want to flee from these things. And he says, uh, follow after righteousness, godliness. There's that godliness again, faith, your faithfulness, love, patience, and meekness. And so those are the things we should be following after, right? We, we should be pursuing those things. And if we, if we would do that, if we would follow after, pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, and meekness, the love of money becomes uh, almost non-existent in our life, right? We handle money. You know, I believe the Lord wants to, wants to bring in large sums of money to every child of God that's on the earth because the gospel has to be, has to be financed in some way. People have to travel. You know, if you're going to do uh, worldwide ministries, you've got to travel, right? You've got to do things, buy things, right? Even the local church, you've got to buy lights and stuff and whatever. And I think the Lord wants every church to be uh, financially stable, you know, with an abundance, we have an abundance of money, right? And, uh, and usually uh, uh, every year when we look at our expenses, our number one expense, and we, we just say number one expense, but the number one location where our money goes out the door is to give. Uh, we give to other ministries. We give to benevolence. Uh, uh, and and that's, that's great. I think that's, that's a good thing, right, uh, that the number one expense is giving. If the number one expense was my salary, I would just feel a little bad, amen? Maybe a little bad, you know. I don't know. We'll see, right? But uh, um, uh, and so, um, so, uh, so, th- so that, that's what Paul said. I think I think we should do that. Let's let's go over and look at uh, uh, the book of Hebrews, chapter thirteen. Let's look at another verse here, kind of along the same lines. And we'll look at a, a verse uh, in Third John, which is a little bit different. But he, here in Hebrews uh, chapter thirteen. Uh, he said, uh, in, he says in verse 5, he said, let your conversation, or your, that word conversation means manner of life, be without covetousness, uh, and be content with such things as you have. For he said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. And again, I think, uh, I think Hebrews 13, 5 is really the key, that, that the only way that you can learn to be content is if you believe that the Lord will never leave you nor forsake you. Uh, and see, that, that's where people are under so much pressure that's where the love of money comes in because they're thinking, if I don't get this money right now, 
uh, I'm going to go broke or going to go bust or whatever. And so they're under so much pressure to get this money that they forget the Lord will never leave them or forsake them. But if you could prioritize that the Lord would never leave you nor forsake you, then it's no big deal, right? Uh, and, uh, and I've always, you know, I've always um, believed that. You know, I remember uh, years ago, uh, I sold this, uh, sold this motorcycle to a fella, and it was a really nice, beautiful uh, uh, motorcycle, lots of chrome and all these things. And, and, um, uh, and so uh, the, after uh, we just made the deal on the phone, so he hadn't picked up the motorcycle yet, and um, he called me up the next day or so. He said, hey, now, you're going to pay the sales tax on this, on this vehicle when I register it, right? I'm like, no, <laughs> no. Uh, well, well, why not? You're supposed to pay the sales tax. I'm like, well, I'm not a dealer. I'm just a guy selling a motorcycle. Anybody ever, anybody ever paid a sales tax for somebody you sold the vehicle to? The dumbest thing, right? Uh, and he's just crooked. Uh, and so he said, uh, he said, well, well, you're not a man of your word. You know, if you're not going to pay my sales tax, like, well, first of all, I never told you I'd pay the sales tax. And secondly, uh, don't threaten me. Uh, and, and he went on and on. I said, look, I, I said, this is a beautiful motorcycle. I said, I won't have any trouble selling this. We'll just drop the deal and I'll sell it to somebody else. Well, he really wanted the motorcycle, right? But what, he, what it happened was he had enough money to pay for the motorcycle, but he didn't have, the, you know, about $1,000 to pay for the sales tax on that. He didn't have the money for the sales tax, so he's trying to get out of my pocket. And he went on and on and on. And there's even a guy in the church that, that knew this guy. Of course, the guy in the church wasn't any better character than this fella. He said, no, you, you might need to pay that sales tax. I'm like, well, you're no, you know, what friend are you, right? Because he was a friend with this guy, right? But uh, he's just as crooked as the guy trying to, uh, trying to buy the bike, right? They're both crooked. And, and crooked, I mean, crooked sinners... No big deal there. I mean, they're a dime a dozen to me, but crooked Christians, you know, I just, I had a hard time with crooked Christians, you know? I mean, it just, uh, they're not very godlike, right? But he was crooked. And so, you know, now, now see, I'm thinking, I mean, because this went on for like a week or so. I'm thinking, you know, and I told the Lord, I said, Lord, I said, I don't, if you want me to pay that, so I, said, I don't care to, because you're always my provider. See, the Lord will never leave me nor forsake me, right? And if I need to pay the sales tax, I don't care to do it. I said, but I don't, I don't, I, don't, I feel no unction to do it. Uh, and, and then uh, about a day later, the pastor called, my pastor called me. And he said, hey, I heard about that deal. I said, you don't pay that sales tax. Well, thank you. That's what I thought, you know. But the other crooked fellow in the church is saying, tell me I got to pay it, right? Uh, and, um, uh, and so for me, it's like, look, I, I don't have any problem with, with, with I have no fear of money, right? If you want to get, take advantage of me, you know, the Lord's smarter than all of us. He's going to warn me that, right? But, but if somehow you were able to get advantage of me, it wouldn't bother me a, a second. Lord, you, you'll provide for that because my heart was right in, in the matter, even if I was wrong in, in how it came out. You, you'll take care of me, won't you, Lord? Yeah. Well, then I'm, not, I'm under no pressure. And see, that, that's, I think Hebrews 13.5 is the key to never loving money. Because then it's like, uh, I remember uh, years ago, when I was in school, you know, when I, when I, um, uh, you know, well, I'll back up a little bit more. You know, growing up, uh, nobody in my family went to college, right? We didn't work college family, right? Some families are, like, all of our kids went to college, right? And college is not for everybody. I'm not saying it's for everybody, but, uh, but we were sure not a college family. Uh, but I was smart, you know, growing up. I was, I was, the, I was the A student, right? And, um, but thinking about going to college, it was just, to me, it was like, just, that's like an impossible dream. 
you know, just growing up, just, there's no way somebody like me could go to college. I mean, you just, your vision is so small, right? Because that's how you grew up. You grew up poor, and you grew up poor-minded, too. Not just poor, but poor-minded, right? I don't, we don't do things like that, right? Never went to a friend's house, you know, never had friends over, never got a birthday present, right? I mean, all these sad stories we can tell everybody. Uh, and, I, well, actually, you know, I did have a grandmother. One time she gave me a $5 bill for my birthday. And so until I was like 16, that's the only birthday present I ever got, right? Uh, and so does that make you all feel sorry for me? You know, she'll just, you, uh, I think, you're, are you crying? <laughs> uh, and so, um, but, uh, but then I got saved. I got saved when I was a freshman in high school. And the Lord started expanding, uh, expanding my vision, right? And the Lord does that. But I'm still thinking, you know, see, uh, when my parents died, they died when I was 15. My, mom, my dad died when I was 14. My mom died when I was 15. And so we got an inheritance. But if you take nothing and divide it by 11, it's still slightly uh, more than nothing, right? I mean, but it's still not very much, right? And so my actual inheritance was $2,500. Uh, this is after my parents worked a lifetime, right? $2,500 is all they had to show for uh, divided up by 11. Uh, and so, but I was reading the word of God. And the Lord, the Lord has a way of, of, uh, uh, of prompting you for verses, right? So we're going to turn back to the book of, uh, we're going to come back, well, we won't come back to Hebrews there, but back to uh, Joshua. And of course, this is a well-known verse. But when I read this verse, as far as I was concerned, nobody in, in all of humanity had ever read Joshua 1.8, right? I thought, man, nobody, nobody even knows this verse is here. But for whatever reason, I can tell you, I can tell you the exact position. Uh, I was at my house. Uh, I was in the foyer. I don't know why I was, I was walking between here and there, but I was reading my Bible as, as I was walking. And I had been working my way through the book of Genesis, through the, through the Old Testament, and, uh, and I'm thankful that I made it through the book of Numbers without just uh, giving up the whole, uh, the whole deal, right? But I made it to the book of Joshua, and I read this verse right here. It says, This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth. I shall meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then, so for then part is, comes after the doing part, right? So what's the doing part? Don't let this book of the law, so that just means the whole word of God, right? Not depart out of your mouth. And don't stop speaking it, but meditate there and day and night. And meditate means to both think about it and also to speak it, uh, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that's written therein. So our goal and desire is to do all that's written in the word of God. If I do these things, he said, then you, thou, right? Thou means you. Then you, because of what you've done, you shall make uh, thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. Uh, and that, that's a pretty standard promise of the Word of God. If you do these things, the Lord will do these things, right? So who's going to prosper you? The Lord's going to prosper you, but, it could, but it's because of what you've done, right? By following the Word of God, meditating, speaking the Word of God. Then thou shalt make the way prosperous, then thou shalt have good success. And I remember speaking, at that, sitting there in the foyer, uh, looking at my Bible, and I, and I pointed to it. I said, this is how I'm going to go to college. And I was a sophomore in high school, right? I've been saved when I was a freshman. This was when I was a sophomore in high school. Now, this is it. This is my promise, right? Now, and, and look, I mean, if you talk to anybody who's been born again for, for more than 39 seconds, uh, unlike I was at that point in time, oh, yeah, Joshua, everybody knows that. But to me, it was like brand new, right? Uh, never, ever, never, because I hadn't been saved hardly a year. Uh, and so and I said, this is how I'm going to do it. And that, that was, it was settled in my heart. It was settled right then. I'm going to go to college on this verse. 
And so I had no idea how to, how, how to do things. You know, I, I mean, I didn't know how to write it. I had to learn how to, how to uh, write checks on my own, how to balance a checkbook on my own. You know, my, my folks were gone, and, and, you know, you think about all the things that your folks tell you that, you know, I didn't have anybody telling me those things, right? I was just kind of on my own. Uh, and so, uh, and, and so uh, we, we finally uh, made, it, uh, made it to school, right? And, and, um, uh, and I jokingly say that, uh, that uh, uh, people love to help poor people, but they also like to help smart poor people. And I was a smart poor person at that point in time. And, and so, but that's not really true. What's really true is the Lord would make my way prosperous, right? And so I had all kinds of scholarships, right? I had a Walmart scholarship. I had a, a Moose Lodge scholarship. I, or Elk, I was at Elk, was at Elk Lodge. Uh, you should know these things. I think I, it was either Elk Lodge or Moose Lodge. I think it was a Moose Lodge. Uh, and and, and uh, in fact, that's how Chris and I got to know each other because she worked in financial aid at the college. And I was like, you know, a primary user of financial aid because I had all these scholarships coming in and Pell Grants and, uh, and uh, the school gave me a scholarship. Uh, and so... I basically had all a free ride through college, uh, but it was because of Joshua 1.8. Uh, and so, but even during that time, you know, when, when I was, uh, I, I wasn't making a lot of money, uh, but my first year of school, one, a church that we just visited, we weren't even a member of the church, they sent me a check every month. We want to be a blessing to you. And I'd write them, thank you, appreciate that, you know, and uh, we'll put it to good use. I'll get to eat this month, right? Uh, and so, uh, and that didn't go all the way through school, but you know, during during the summer times, I would work you know good jobs and I'd save up money uh, to pay for all my expenses outside of school because all my school expenses were paid the the uh, room and board and tuition and all that stuff. Uh, but I still had to pay for books and and um, um, I think I got uh, I think I had to pay for my own food, but you know, just gas money and just things, right? And so I would work during the summertime, save up that money, uh, and made it all through school. No no. Uh, loans, no student loans or anything, but it was all on my own, right? There was no parent. I didn't have any parents, you know. Uh, the $2,500 I got for, uh, for uh, the inheritance was gone by the time I got to school. I had to buy a car. I bought a uh, 1974 Mustang II uh, Ghia, uh, and, um, and it lasted me all through college. It, it actually died the week after I graduated, right? I mean, the transmission blew, uh, and, and it was just, I, I was so done with that car, right? Because uh, I used to drive and have to keep a case of oil in the trunk. Right? It was just, a, and I didn't know enough about working on cars to fix it, you know. It's, I guess that's what the cars do, right? And so, uh, and I told you, uh, but th- this is not a financial thing, but I guess it is a financial thing. But the, the car, uh, I threw a rod in it when I was maybe a junior year or something like that. And so this, this guy that said he knew how to work on cars but lied, uh, put a new engine in it and a new transmission, and it was just, he didn't wire it right. And so, uh, you know, it would just, it, things would go weird, and finally I put a, 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 an amp meter on there to find out how much uh, current was flowing through it, and it, would, it went from zero to 60 amps, and I uh, turned the car on, it would just peg at 60 amps, right? Which I know all the electricians there is like, just, you know, just like nails on a chalkboard. So I thought, well, that's probably a bad thing, right? Uh, and so, but I don't know how to fix it, right? And I didn't have any money to fix it. And so I just drove it around, you know, it was probably a bomb, you know, waiting to happen, right? It'd explode. But I was in class one day, and we were happening to talk about electricity, you know, and I'm a mechanical engineer, not an electrician, uh, and they were talking about this and that, you know, pluses and minuses, and right in the middle of them talking about I just had a revelation. I know how to rewire my car. Just, I just saw it right there. And I, I went down to Walmart, I bought a roll of, of probably under, underperforming wire, 
and a, a pair of wire snips, and I bypassed miles of, of uh, wiring in my car and rewired the entire charging system, purred like a motor, first time I started up, right? Now, if, you, if you held a gun to my head, I couldn't do that a second time, right? Uh, but just in that moment, I knew what an alternator was for, I knew what the batteries, and I knew how to wire it up to the ignition. I have no idea how I did it. I, have no, I couldn't tell you, you know, I know some of you all, it's like, ah, no big deal. You just need to, I mean, it's like, are you supposed to cut the red wire or not? I don't know, every time you did on the TV, things blow up, right? And so I didn't know. Uh, but, you know, I'm a freshman in college. I don't have a way to pay for, pay, pay for and especially electrical problems are tough and expensive to have fixed in a vehicle. But the Lord knows everything. And the Lord said that if you do these things, he shall make thy way prosperous. So he could have given me the money to, to fix the car, or he could have given me the revelation to fix the car. I am thankful he gave me the revelation to fix the car. And so that's, it's not just about money, right? Uh, revelation is, is very prosperous. It's very prosperous. Amen. Uh, and so, so the, the Hebrews 13.5 about uh, being content with such things you have, for he said, I shall never leave thee nor forsake thee. I think that is the balance. If you, can, if you can do the last part of that verse, then it's easy to be content. Well, what if they take all your money? Doesn't matter. The Lord's going to take care of me. Well, what if they, what if they cheat you? Doesn't matter. You know, we ha- we've had some people uh, cheat us on business deals over the years. Uh, not many, but, you know, some have, have done some things. Uh, and people, you know, people, you should go sue them. And everything in my heart's like, no, I'm not doing that. Well, why not? Because the Lord will never leave me nor forsake me, right? Uh, and so, uh, now, you, you follow your own heart. If the Lord tells you to sue somebody, I got no problem with it, right? But, but um, I know what uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 6 talks about, so you got to find that path there in yourself. Uh, but um, uh, this verse here where it talks about being content, uh, let your conversation be without covetousness and be content uh, with, with things that, as you have, um, that word covetousness uh, is, is uh, talking about the love of money, specifically the love of money, right? So being covetous, of course, in general, the covetous means to desire things you ought not have. But in this particular verse, that word covetous means uh, in relation to money, right? Being desire money. I desire to be rich, right? Again, that, that goes back to what uh, the warning of 1 Timothy. Uh, one translation for uh, Hebrews 13.5 says, live without constantly wanting money. In fact, uh, many of the translations talk, uh, bring out the, 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 uh, the intent of the contentment there uh, of being against uh, wanting money all the time. And so live without constantly wanting money and be happy no matter how much or little you own. Remember that what Moses said, that Yahweh said, I will never leave you. I will never stop providing for you. So is it true that he will never leave me and he will never stop providing for you? If that's true, then, then you should never be concerned about money, right? Worried about money, amen? Uh, he, he's always, he, he is your source, right? We, we have a supply. Uh, and so, and that really, uh, Hebrews 13, 5, to me is, is the balance that, if we, can, if we can find that, then uh, we'll be okay, right? Uh, and everything else will kind of take care of itself, amen? Yeah. Uh, and so let's just turn over real quick to uh, Third John. Uh, uh, and so uh, just, just real quick in this verse, it's talking about being content, but uh, the lack of contentment is not always related to money. In this particular case, it can be, it can be dealing with some other things. So Third, Third John only has one chapter, but let's start here in, in uh, verse 9. It says, I wrote unto the church, uh, but Diotrephes, who loved to have the preeminence among them, received us not. So this fellow here, 
that, that John is talking about, wouldn't it be wonderful to have your name written down forever in the Word of God as being a loser, right? Uh, and so, you know, it's not just this guy at the church, right? It's this guy named, named Diotrephus uh, who loved having the preeminence among them received us not. So John was an apostle of the Lamb, right? Um, he was the beloved, uh, the beloved apostle of the Lamb, uh, one of the closest apostles to the Lord Jesus himself. And this guy wouldn't receive him. Like John's like, hey, I'm coming to town. You know, is it okay if I stop by? No. Uh, well, why not? I mean, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not, uh, you know, I've already written the Gospel of John. Uh, you know, this is my third book, which I'm going to mention you in, by the way. Uh, and pretty soon I'm going to have this, this revelation, this book of revelation that I'm going to write. Uh, you don't want to receive me? No. Uh, and, and so, so John, uh, then he threatens him, right? Wherefore, if I come, I will remember his deeds, which he doth. Uh, isn't that uh, foreboding, right? John, the apostle John, right? Uh, saying these things. Uh, he said, I will remember his deeds, uh, which he had done prating against us with malicious words and not content therewith. Neither doth he himself receive the brethren and forbidden them that, that would and cast them out of the church. So whoever this fellow was, he was a wheel in the church, or at least he thought he was. And, and it, what was important to him was having the preeminence am, among them, right? So for some people, uh, it's not about being content with money. It's about being content with their position. You know, uh, uh, selfish ambition is a big problem in the church, right? Politicking, gunning for position, right? Always trying to, to uh, uh, supersede somebody else in the church. Yeah. And uh, th- when was this occurring? Well, this was 2,000 years ago. Do you think this is still going on in churches today? Absolutely, it's going on in churches today, right? I mean, I can tell you how much politicking I've seen in church when I was with my pastor. Just, it was just embarrassing how people... You know, one of the, the biggest struggles that I had in the church was uh, for some reason people decided that, that I was uh, to be taken out, that I was in their way of obtaining some position. And so they would lie to the pastor on me, whisper in his ear about me uh, to, because their goal was to destroy me, not me. It, was, it wasn't even personal. It was so they could have my position. Well, I, wouldn't, I wasn't gunning for my position. I didn't want my position. In fact, the, the one time... When, when the pastor, he asked me publicly, he's up here, I'm in the sound booth, he said, uh, Chip, would you like to be, uh, a, he called it a spiritual leader because uh, he was against the word elder, which doesn't make any sense because it's literally a biblical term, but because he had such bad experiences with elders, he didn't want to use that name, so he called them spiritual leaders, which is just a made-up word, right? But anyway, that's another discussion. But, uh, and, and I was 50-50 because everyone I'd seen that had that position before me was shot, right? And buried in a backyard somewhere. Not literally, but, you know, they were publicly excoriated, right? And lied about publicly many times over the years. And I didn't want any of that part of that. But you weren't, you know, you couldn't say no publicly, right? So I was kind of forced into it, didn't want it. Uh, and then people started talking about me after that. Like, I don't want this to begin with, right? Well, who does he think he is, right? I was nobody. I was nobody before. I was, no, I was nobody during. I was nobody afterwards, uh, and I was fired from that job after a while, too, right? And so having, I mean, I didn't do anything wrong. I don't know why you get fired for not, you know, not doing anything wrong, but that's another discussion. But this fellow, whoever he is, he said, loved to have preeminence among them and was not content with, with the role that he had. He was always gunning for a bigger position. And so what he would do is he would start manipulating, okay, you can come, but you can't come. John, you can't come. You know, look at me. I told the apostle John he can't come to our church, right? And, and if you don't like it, you're out of the church. So, so I don't think he was the pastor, but he was a wheel in the church. And, and sometimes 
the pastor at local churches are not the highest authority, right? They, they, they are afraid of the people and they give that authority up to the people in the church. Uh, and they'll become like this guy right here. Start wheeling and dealing and gunning for position and, and try and be a kingmakers and deciding who gets to do what and who doesn't get to do what. Not what, based on what makes the most sense or what helps the Lord the most, but what makes them look best, right? Uh, and that's politicking, right? That's politicking in the church. Uh, and it's, it's against the, the will and desire of the Lord. Amen. Uh, and um, uh, I saw a lot of that when I was with my pastor. We will never have any of that here. Because the only reason why it's in any church is the pastor allows it to happen. Amen. Uh, we are all servants of the Most High God. Amen. If you want to get a better position, be a better servant. Amen. Uh, and uh, that, that to me, that's the only measure. How big of a servant are you? Okay, then you're qualified to do whatever job that we want in the, in the church, right? If you sit back in the, you know, in the church, I understand, you know, it's not about, well, I, you know, I work. Or, that's fine, right? Uh, but some people, they won't lift a finger for anything, right? Uh, they see paper on the floor, they walk right by and go, wow, someone should do something. And they walk right by it, right? Well, that's not a servant of God, right? Uh, and so uh, the real servant of God is pick it up and nobody knows. That's a real servant of God, amen? And I know many of you all do those types of things. And, and, and I'm thankful to be, as a pastor, to be honest, that, that we are a church full of servants, amen? Uh, and, and, and so, you know, the, uh, of course, we're not a big church. We don't have a lot of need for things uh, as far as a lot of positions for things. Uh, but, uh, you know, we, we gave, uh, I mean, years ago, we had, we had a bumper crop of uh, people in the, uh, uh, in the nursery there. And so we assigned... Uh, one of the moms just said, okay, we, we want you to run the nursery, right? To schedule, you know, who's going to run the nursery or be in the nursery working and everything. Make sure that, it, that somebody's always taking care of it. But the overall, you know, overall thing is for you to, to manage, right? Um, and so I came in one day and the sign-up sheet is gone. Uh, and so I said, uh, hey, where'd the sign-up sheet go? Because, you know, you sign up to work in the nursery, right? And the husband said, oh, we don't need that anymore. And I said, well, what do you mean we don't need it anymore? Well, I decided we don't need the sign-up sheet anymore. And I'm thinking, okay, now we got a problem. Because I'm the pastor. Last time I checked, right? I mean, am I not the pastor? I mean, did somebody, did something happen? I didn't know, right? Uh, and, uh, well, you decided. Well, I thought I decided we wanted to have a sign-up sheet, right? Uh, and so uh, we had a conversation about it. And he said, well, I decided that my wife, just she can run the whole thing by herself. I said, well, then you're missing the point because the point, and I tried to explain to him like a child, right? Because sometimes you have to talk very simple words, right? Not two-syllable words, but usually one-syllable words for some people because they're not very bright. And I said, well, the point of having a sign-up sheet is to minimize how much of the service you miss. All right, so if enough people work in the nursery, then very few, people, very few times you have to miss a service because the whole point of the church is the service, Right? The purpose of church is not to change diapers, right? We're, we're glad to do that. No problem doing that, right? Uh, because it allows the, the parents to be in here and, and hear the service. But it's not just the parents. It's the workers, too. Some workers, they love doing all the work and never go to the service because they don't want to be in the service. Well, we're not having that around here. We want to maximize how much you're here in the service. And so even if you're running a department or something, you have other people that you assigned to that task, and so you're, jo you're, well, no, she can handle it all by herself. Uh, maybe you don't understand what I'm saying, right? I'm saying is I want to minimize, well, they can just turn on, turn on the speaker back there, 
I said, you know that's not the same, right? I, know, I understand they can turn their own speaker back there, and we're thankful that the speaker's back there, and the workers are thankful there. But if they're changing diapers and chasing toddlers, they're, they're not going to hear 80% of what I say. Uh, and, and so it would make sense for ministry to maximize how much ministering that you sit under. I mean, I know that's, that's a very complex topic there to explain to a, a simple-minded person, but... Uh, no, we're not, we're not doing that. Okay, we have a problem because uh, I'm the pastor and that's how we're going to run it. Well, then if you don't want to run it that way, then we're leaving. I don't care. I mean, see if I care. Go ahead and say it again. I still don't care, right? Uh, and so uh, why? Because they were just like uh, uh, Diotrephus, right? Loved the preeminence. Love to be able to boss around and take charge. Well, you know, you gave her that role, so, that, so you know, that's what she needs to do. Yes, I gave her the role, and I'm the pastor, and, and, and the wisdom of the Lord would, would say somebody that, that uh, cares about that area of, in, of the church uh, and is called to do that. And, and the funny thing is that, you know, that group of people, there's several of them in that, in that kind of in that group, and they all thought that the lady that we assigned to the nursery was the least spiritual of all of them, right? Because they were all preacher types, you know, and she was just a servant. She was the most spiritual by far of all of them, embarrassingly far ahead of them. I mean, they weren't even out of the bleachers yet. Uh, she was that far ahead of them uh, from her spiritual walk with the Lord as a servant of God, and none of them saw it. They treated her like she was uh, like an infant, and yet she was by, by far the most spiritual, which is why she was assigned to that particular role, because she would have done it well. Uh, but, but husband, uh, the preeminence fella, wanted the role of, of no, you can do this and you can do that. Like, well, I don't, you know, my, that's my name over there. It's not your name, right? Uh, and look, I mean, I, you've got suggestions. We've had plenty of people offer suggestions, you know, and that's fine. But when you just pull down, a, you know, we're not doing it that way, we've got a problem, right? Even if you're right, you're still wrong. Uh, and, and uh, you know, we're not having politicking in this church, amen? And if you're going to leave because we're not having politicking, I, you know, you're just going to mess it up anyway. Just go mess up some other church, right? Uh, go start your own and see how that goes, right? Uh, and so, uh, because people, uh, you know, she was content, right, to, to do her job and to do it well. But he was, he was the one who had selfish ambition. The husband was. Uh, and, and it's just unfortunate that, that, that you know, uh, this went on 2,000 years ago, still going on today. So contentment is, is a valuable, it's a valuable uh, asset in your life, right? Uh, where you're, you're good right where you're at. And if the Lord wants to promote you, man, you're still good, right? If the Lord wants to bless you double, you're, you're still good, right? Uh, and, and so uh, being exempt from all the external circumstances is a great way to be. Uh, and, uh, and, it, and it applies in your life in every area, not just in finances, but in position. You know, I've never tried to gun for a position. In fact, my pastor accused me publicly from the pulpit that Chip Bowley is trying to take over this church. And I'm thinking, you know, and I told the Lord, all I ever wanted to do was to help. That's all I ever wanted. When I went to that, the day I went to that church, to the day I left that church, all I ever wanted to do was help. I never wanted a position. I wasn't gunning for a position. I wasn't trying to get a position. All I ever wanted to do was help and, and, and to be maligned. That was the hardest thing for me is like, you're saying that I'm doing this, and yet my heart is, and I know my heart, it's way over here, not even close to that. You know, why are you... Well, you know, it's because, it's because the other guys were, were gunning for positions, right? They were the people who were always wanting the preeminent positions. And I had all the preeminent positions. I would travel with a pastor, fill in for the pastor, you know, uh, do different things with the pastor. It just, 
because, right? Your gift makes room for you. Uh, and, and so, but all is well, amen? Uh, and, and see, if we would believe that the Lord would never leave us nor forsake us, then we could be the greatest servant and never fear about position. The Lord will promote us. He, he's, he's promoted me so many times in the ministry over the years uh, in, in every way, right? Uh, and, and I believe there's still yet more, uh, 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 more promotion that will come from the Lord. And what that looks like, that's up to him. But it will because I know he's never going to leave me nor forsake me, so I'm perfectly content. Amen? Uh, if the Lord wants me to pastor this church the rest of my life, I'm good, right? Uh, if he wants me to leave tomorrow, I'm still good, right? Now, it's not a threat or anything. It's not like he, I'm, there's, there's nothing there, right? I mean, I literally could be here the rest of my life, and I'd be perfectly fine with it. Amen? Uh, and so... Because uh, uh, if the Lord wants me to do other things, he will figure out how to make every good. It's not a I win, you all lose, right? It would be a, everybody would be promoted in that, uh, I believe. Amen. Uh, And so praise God. Well, let's pray and thank the Lord for his word today. So Father, we do thank you for your word. And Father, we thank you that we believe with all of our heart, Lord, that you will never leave us. You will never forsake us. If that's so, Father, that we can always be content with what we have. We don't have to fall in love with money. No problem with having money, Father. No problem with having a, a large and enormous amounts of money, Father. But it, it never will have us. Father, we'll give it all away if you want us to. Uh, we will never let it own us in any capacity, Father. And so, Lord, we thank you for these things. We thank you that we have faith in you. We trust in you, Father. We rely upon you, not upon money. Uh, you are our source, not our bank accounts. And so we thank you for that, Father. We give you the praise and the honor for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, praise God. Is the Lord good? Uh, he is good. Amen. Uh, and, um, you know, if we could live this way and be content, uh, every church would be so much better off, right? There, all this tension in churches and strife in churches. You've all seen it, right? I mean, uh, I know, Brother Tony, you've, you've been around the block for once or twice. You've seen it all, right? Uh, and it's embarrassing to me sometimes when people that, I mean, just the, the worst people, right? doing the worst things, and Jared come ahead and will receive an offering, uh, and it's because they're not content. You know, they're this guy right here in Third John, this, this uh, what we call him, uh, Diotrephus, right? Uh, and, and if that's not how he pronounces his name, then it's too bad because he's a terrible guy, right? So, you know, it's, uh, if he was a nice guy, we'd learn how to pronounce his name correctly, right? So, uh, and so, uh, it's, uh, uh, it, sometimes I wonder, um, you know, I wonder about people uh, who, who are involved in this type of thing about um, why can't you just be a Christian, right? Just be God-like, right? Why is it so hard for some people to strive to be like God? Uh, they're always striving for position and title and whatever. And I got no problem with titles uh, at all, you know, but um, anyway. The Lord is good, amen? We'll be blessed. Have a wonderful week, and Lord, don't forget uh, we got regular service on Sunday, but no healing school on Sunday. And uh, thank, thank you, everyone, who was able to come out and help us with all the, the Christmas bags for the inmates. I think it was a real blessing for them. Amen. And uh, last year, they sent us uh, several letters of thanks for that. If we get some of those, we'll, we'll let you know and read them as well. Amen. All right. We'll be blessed. We'll see you Sunday. Yes, ma'am.